Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Hello, listeners. What you're about to hear is content normally only available on the premium feed. However, to celebrate the five-year anniversary of Nighttime and the milestone of 10 million downloads, this content is being made available on the free feed for the month of September. If you enjoy it, you can subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another nighttime classic. And I mean classic in terms of age, not reverence. Randy, we're back for another nighttime classic. Yes. What do you have in store for the classics tonight? Well, seeing as the most recent episode was the Coffee Cowboy, I figured we'll stay with the Tim Hortons theme. So the classic that we'll be discussing this week is going to be... Well, this this episode actually had a few different names, but basically a collection of weird stories set in Tim Hortons. Yeah. You, you remember this one? I do remember this one from uh, maybe 2016, 2017. It was... It was early 2017. Yeah. It was, I think it was the 11th episode of Nighttime. And it was one of the more, it was the first like complicated one I put together. Complicated in the sense that it wasn't just like narration in an interview. That when I, this was the first one I did that had like six or seven different interviews all used. Because what it was was a collection of stories. So it was, I think, four or five people talk to me in it then i had some points that were narrated so anyway it was the first episode that was really like a lot of work um and it was kind of the original version of the episode was kind of rough but i'm going to present it in a bit different way i'm going to try something different for this classic rather than just kind of talking and then playing the episode what we'll do is we'll kind of go through each story and play it separately so we'll do it a little different than a normal normal uh, nighttime classic yeah so this will, uh, but I think this will be a cool way to do it because that'll give us a chance to talk out each story that plays out. So yeah. Anyway, the I'll I'll set it up first with the kind of the background of this episode was when I put this together. This was when my now oldest son, who's seven now, was he was probably like two at the time, and back then, like what we did all the time is just like I'd walk around with the stroller. We we go to Tim Hortons, I get a coffee, give him like a muffin or an oat cake or something. We'd walk around for an hour. I'd be listening to podcasts and he'd be napping. Then we'd go back to Tim Hortons and I'd get like another coffee. So we were just kind of always in and out of there. And I remember one time I was with him in the lineup and he, um, it was just this weird kind of scene. Like, you know, you go into Tim Hortons and just something, you know, bizarre stuff is going on. Yeah. It was just kind of the ultimate version of that. I was um, I was in lineup with, with my son and a few things I at once kind of went on. I remember there was someone in front of me and they were like on their cell phone. It was a guy and he was like sobbing and he was like I noticed him sobbing and I was like, whoa, like this guy's in an intense conversation and I couldn't help but just kind of eavesdrop a little bit. Yeah. And you could tell he was on the receiving end of a like, it's not you, it's me. We need to break up kind of conversation. Oh, wow. They were, he was talking about like getting his stuff and, 
you know, what are like, we have the same friends. Like, how are we going to handle this when we're at the same party? And I was like, I was like, Whoa, like that's a heavy conversation. And as I was experiencing this happen, I heard someone at a table that was right next to me. He was just like an older guy who could have been like on lunch break from working at, you know, maintenance for, Sobeys or something. He was just a real typical kind of dude sitting there. Yeah. And his cell phone started ringing, but the ringtone wasn't... It wasn't anything normal. It was like the soundtrack from like a horror movie of someone just screaming like... Bah! Bah! Like <laughs> at screeching at the top of their lungs. And so everybody in Tim Hortons looks over at this guy like, what the hell is going on? And he's like messing with his phone trying to you know, like turn off the ringer and make it stop. Like he was probably embarrassed that yeah. at the attention he got. And then he finally like answered the phone, but he had it on speakerphone, but he was holding it up to his ear. <laughs> and so he was like holding it up to his ear and talking to his wife about, I guess his wife about, you know, what are we going to make for supper? But she was on speaker, so you could hear her voice like blasting into his ear. Wow. Um, but anyway, as that was going on, both of those stories, there's nothing crazy about it, but it was just like, as that was happening, I was just thinking, you know, this is such a bizarre place. Every time I'm in here, something strange happens. So anyway, we got our muffin and our coffee. We continued on our way walking, my son and I. Yep. And then I got thinking like, just of how crazy Tim Hortons seems to be every time I'm end up in there. And I thought a cool series to do on the podcast would be to just find a few bizarre stories of crazy things that have happened in Tim Hortons and either make it like a series of a couple episodes or cram it all into one episode. And so anyway, so that was what I decided to do. And I actually thought about doing it as either a series of stories all about Tim Hortons or a series of episodes where every episode was about a different place. Like one would be a Sobeys and one would be a gas station or like Petro Canada or something. Right. But anyway, all I ended up doing with it was this one episode about Tim Hortons where I compiled four or five stories from Atlantic Canada that were all set in Tim Hortons restaurants. Yeah. So, so that is the background to the, to the episode. Now, you're not a huge Tim Hortons fan, are you? I don't picture you as one. Nah, not really. I I'd go just about anywhere else to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to be, but there's no question that it's like Tim Hortons is a the, culturally important in Canada. Love it or hate it, yeah. it's especially in small town Canada, like a lot of Atlantic Canada is. It's yeah. It's almost like the unofficial town square of a lot of small communities is the local Tim Hortons restaurant. And I don't know if that's why so many weird things happen in them. Maybe it's because some of them are open like all night kind of thing. I think the one by my house in Cape Breton was 24 hours. So I'm sure, you know, the staff there had some stories about weird things going on at three and four in the morning in industrial Cape Breton. But, but anyway, let's start, we'll start walking through the episode. So the, the first guest i had on the original episode was uh was graham Steele. he was um an important politician he was an mla for 12 years and he was nova scotia's finance minister for three years okay. so he's a you know he knows his way around nova scotia politically and culturally because he would have 
gone from tip to tip uh, during his years as a politician. So I got in touch with him and I wanted him to just explain how as a representative of Nova Scotian people uh, for so long as, as he was, what kind of role does Tim Hortons play in the lives of a politician or in the lives of regular Nova Scotians? Mm-hmm. So let's hear uh, the way he answered it. He did an amazing job, so it was it was good to include him. Let, let's listen to how Graham Steele described this back in 2017. For people not from Canada or Atlantic Canada, it's hard to explain just how important Tim Hortons is to the culture. This is by far the dominant coffee shop, particularly here in Atlantic Canada. When you're traveling around, as a politician does, you realize that Tim Hortons is where you want to be. You, if you if you have a meeting to set up, if you know if you want to talk to people, if you want to be seen, then you got to go to Tim Hortons. I think I've been in every Tim Hortons in in Nova Scotia. It's just it's just a fundamental part of the social culture here in Atlantic Canada. And it's also, it's such a cross-section of our of our public when you walk into Morton's. That's one of the things I'm so fascinated with. There's a little bit of everybody in there. Everybody goes, you know, high and low, rich and poor, educated, not just everybody goes to Tim Hortons. Absolutely. And I'm thinking as a politician, uh, some of the stuff I overhear when I'm in Tim Hortons, I, I sometimes would be afraid to show my face in there. <laughs> well, this is the thing is, is if you want to see and be seen, then you want to go to Tim Hortons. The flip side of that is that if you're trying to sneak in or out of town, you definitely don't want to go to Tim Hortons. Then, of course, during elections, politicians will plan their days around, you know, the busy times in a Tim Hortons. So they'll go in deliberately when there's a lot of people, go all around, shake hands, and it's a great way of seeing a lot of people in a short period of time. Yeah, maybe what the politicians could do is just go in at the busy hour and just get a show of hands and make the decision right there. <laughs> I've never seen anybody do that, but it's not a bad idea. <laughs> so I think he uh, summed it up pretty nicely. Oh, that's do you, accurate. Have you? Do you know who he is? Do you recognize that name, Graham Steele? No. What did, what did he do again? Was he? he was finance minister for a few years, but he was an MLA in Halifax for the long, for 12 years. I think okay. you would have been living in Ontario when he was finance minister, I think. Mm-hmm. But so maybe that's why you didn't, the name doesn't ring a bell. But he also was, he's on CBC all the time giving, you know, political analysis and stuff. So he, a really smart, highly respected and well-spoken guy. So yeah. it was a... I thought it was, uh, it's like when I put that episode out, the main reason I wanted to have something like that at the beginning was for international listeners who are like, what, why is this coffee shop, you know, <laughs> such a big deal? Yeah. Cause I, I don't know if there's something equi- equivalent to it in the U S you could say Starbucks or something, but it's not like Starbucks. It's Dunkin a whole Donuts? different. Yeah, maybe. No, no. Tim Hortons is, is, is a cultural phenomenon in, in uh, Canada. Although that's changing, and that's what my next episode is going to be about, so I'm not, oh. I'm not going to spoil that yet. But, oh, spoilers! Yeah, but that's it, it's certainly at least it really like at least it was in the 80s and 90s. Like growing up and stuff, Tim Hortons was. It's just it's everywhere. Everybody goes there, and it's something that, like Graham said, rich, poor, high, low, educated or uneducated, it's everybody's in there <laughs> so it's uh it's something but anyway so that's that's how the episode started 
we then get into piecing, uh, get into going through the different stories that I'm including. The first one is one I, I'm excited to talk to you about because uh, I don't know if we've ever talked much about this, but because this went down when we were in high school, is the story of uh, Jesus Christ's appearance on the Tim Hortons in uh, Little Bredore, basically in what we would call North Sydney. Uh, before, actually, before we get into talking about our memories of it, um, I'll play you the excerpt of the episode where it's it's probably three or four minutes long where I describe the, you know, what happened. This is one where um, I wanted to have guests, like maybe staff members from the Tim Hortons tell me the story. But I literally, like, I could get no one to talk to me that was an eyewitness in terms of working for Tim Hortons at the time. So I just, I just narrate it and told the story. So we'll play that and then we'll chat about it. Yeah. It would be impossible to begin a collection of unusual stories set in Tim Hortons without including the most interesting week that a quiet town on Cape Breton Island had ever lived through. This Tim Hortons is conveniently located just off Highway 105, which passes through Little Bredore. It's an ideal location to serve the passing motorists their daily fixes. Well, at least it seemed like an ideal location prior to September of 1998, when the massive crowds arrived, lawn chairs in hand, hoping to catch a glimpse of their Savior, Jesus Christ. Although the first witnesses to his appearance have never stepped forward, the commonly told version of the events is that the whole mess started with an elderly couple driving down the 105 as the sun was setting. As the couple approached the section of the highway that abuts the Tim Hortons, they noticed an unusual beam of light piercing the thick clouds that filled the sky. But this wasn't just your everyday heavenly beam. It seemed to be changing its course, almost like a spotlight searching for something. But whatever it was searching for, it seemed to find it on Tim Hortons as the narrow beam ultimately found itself directing its gaze onto the brick exterior of the building. As the elderly couple watched this spectacle of light play out, they became so overcome by a sudden sense of emotion that they slammed on the brakes and watched the beam of light dance upon the bricks and then slowly dissolve. What was left in its wake was an image of Christ's face imprinted on the red brick wall of Tim Hortons. Now, whoever that couple was, we still don't know. But what we do know is that they didn't keep Christ's appearance a secret. It only took a couple of days before the word spread and crowds begun to gather. Within two days, not only was Tim's parking lot packed to capacity, but neighboring businesses began to be affected. It turned out the clearest view of the apparition was from the other side of the highway in the parking lot of the comically named Lick-A-Chick restaurant. It's a popular fried chicken shop. Their lot, which on a busy night was only half full, found itself packed bumper to bumper. And this was only the beginning word was beginning to spread locally as the appearance of Christ became a point of conversation, but as more and more visited the scene and saw Christ on the bricks, they were compelled to spread the word even further. Lori Steele, a resident of neighboring Glace Bay, heard about Christ's appearance while at the mall. She was skeptical, but she came to see what the fuss was about, and upon seeing the Lord's face, 
She got weak in her knees and was quoted as saying, I can't believe it, it's the face of Christ, his hair, his beard, his robes, he's here. The following day, now three days after his appearance, the crowds continued to grow as people from the neighboring areas heard of their Savior's appearance. With the Lickachick and the Tim Hortons properties still packed to capacity, onlookers now began to bring lawn chairs and coolers, and the scene began to take on the look that you'd expect of a parade. Rough estimates put the crowd three days out at about 3,000, a little more than the population of the town that Tim Hortons was in, Bredore. Describing the scene at the Lickachick, Longtime cashier Jermaine Allman said it was about the busiest night in the restaurant's history by at least 10 times, and she thanked the smell of their fried chicken that enveloped the crowd as being too much for many to resist, leading to lineups that surrounded the building. With the story hitting the national press on Thursday, the message was now beamed across the country, and interest began to hit its fever pitch. Very quickly, safety at the scene became a serious concern. The crowds now, impossible to count, were described simply as being scary. Police were flooded with complaints from local residents of people parked in their driveways or on their lawns. The Department of Transportation was now on the scene, as it was their busy highway that traveled through the center of what was now looking like Woodstock. And of course, members of Tim Horton's executive offices were worried, and they attended the scene to provide support for the store's owner and staff as they tried to come up with a plan to deal with what was happening. As city officials began plans to block off the highway and redirect street traffic in the area, a simple fix to what was quickly becoming a major problem was found. Theorizing that it was a coincidence of light that caused the apparition's appearance, during the weekend, the exterior lights that shone from above onto the bricks of the Tim Hortons were replaced. And with the new lights, well, Jesus had left the building. As quickly as the story spread and the crowds gathered, they dispersed. And within a matter of days, the only crowd on sight was a group of retirees flipping through the newspapers. I can remember thinking at the time that you go through the drive-thru and order a double-double and possibly forgiveness. So that's the wild story of Jesus Christ appearing at Tim Hortons. Do you remember that, Randy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember being in high school and it being um, in the paper. And I, I think it might have even reached the U.S. news as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it, it definitely... I think pe- I heard people from the U.S. actually came. There was... um. There was like a, a bus tour or something that came down here of a, a bunch of um, really religious people. I thought it was maybe from the U.S. and they right. basically got on a bus and came down to see it. I don't know. But they could also could have been from somewhere else in Canada. But yeah. yeah, it was it was big news. Did you go see it? Do you remember? I did not go see it. No. Okay. I kind of remember going, but I don't have an, like clear visions of it because they're my visions are foggy because they're mixed up with. I watched like amateur video a lot of when I was researching this. I went through all the newspapers and got all the clippings as it was covered in Halifax as well as in Cape Breton, mm-hmm. and then I got a bunch of amateur video of people who were just there with their 
big VHS cameras on their shoulders, probably. Yeah. They didn't have cell phones back then. Yeah. But uh, so it's like I kind of remember being there. But at the same time, my memories may be lifted directly from yeah. some of those home videos that I watched. What, but um, What the hell would you have been doing all the way out there? <laughs> well, it would have been, what, 20 minutes, 15 minutes away? Oh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And this was, this was in 98. So we would have been like 17. Yeah. So... It's like I remember hearing about it and and thinking how nuts it was. But I also, like, there was other times in Cape Breton where people thought Jesus Christ appeared on things. Someone had, like, a piece of toast or something. Do you remember a story about, like, someone's uh-huh. toast got burnt in such a yeah. way that it showed Jesus' face? Yeah, I remember was that. that. Was that here? That was, in, I think it was in Cape Breton. I feel like it was... A, I feel like it was, and it was not long after this, if my memory serves me, but it, um, that, that kind of story, it's just, it's so perfect for that to have happened at a Tim Hortons in Cape Breton. Like it, yep. if, if Jesus did appear <laughs> like that, he has an amazing sense of humor oh, yeah. to do it that, to do it that way. Did you, I had the videos of, of like, I went, or, um, the amateur video from the scene. Did you see any of it that I put I, up? I've never seen any of it actually. Oh man. You gotta, f- I, I'll repost it when I re-release this episode, but I had it on my Facebook, like the nighttime Facebook and it's, just a, somebody walking around outside the restaurant at the prime of all this going on. So there's people standing everywhere. It looks like you're. it's like New Year's Eve downtown New York, like as they're about to drop the ball, like that sort of vibes going on. And the guy with the camera, he's pointing it at the Tim Hortons right where Jesus's face is. And the people are all walking up and like, rubbing his face and praying and like you know overcome with a mo there's one lady in particular and it looks like she's crying with her hand against the bricks on the side yeah. of tim hortons but man what a time what what exactly was it just a water spot or what at, at the end of the episode i'll play is something where there's an alternate theory but it was um it had something to do with the way a light bulb on the ceiling like where when you're on the side of Tim Hortons, the the brick wall would go up and then the roof would kind of come out a little bit. So there'd be lights underneath shining down. So that way, when you're going in there at night, the sidewalks aren't dark kind of thing. And one of the lights, the way when it, whatever was on the bulb, say like, you know, bugs in the bulb or something or dirt on it or something, the way it projected the light, it made what looks pretty clearly like, like a face of Jesus, like reflected onto the brick. So it was something to do with, the light in the shadow within the light, but also the shape of the brick and the way the kind of the light, the way the light hit the brick and the shadows were created on the brick. It just looks like a man's face with a beard and long hair. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the video I put up on, on Facebook, it's, you get some good glimpses of it and I could totally see how people thought it was Jesus's face. But anyway, but, um, at the end of the episode, after I released my original episode about the weird stories in Tim Hortons, a couple months after that, I got an email from a guy who said, like, it was actually me and my friends who did it. Like, we were the ones who messed up the bulb. And that's how we'll end the episode. So we'll come back to that. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, it's a, it's a pretty amazing story. There was a movie. Uh, we didn't... I didn't explain this in the narrative in that 
piece that I played, but there was a movie that came out that was inspired by the events, um, but it wasn't like a documentary or anything. It was the story of like this coffee shop where people thought Jesus appeared on the coffee shop and people came from miles around to see it and stuff. So very much the same story, but it was all uh, like a fictional story. The only thing it had in common was the fact that it was a coffee shop that Jesus may or may not have appeared at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if, if I could do that over, I'd like to have its own episode dedicated to Jesus on Tim's and be able to interview like staff members, the guy who owned Tim Hortons at the time. Like it'd be really cool to dig deep into it, but none of them have been willing to, I've identified a few people who worked there at the time, but they weren't interested in talking. Some of them still work at Tim Hortons and they're like, Oh, my boss would never let me. Oh my God. Despite it being like, you know, like 25, 30 years ago. But anyway, so that's a, that's a cool one. And I'm glad to, um, when I pulled the Tim Hortons episode off of the feed, I was kind of like, oh, I love having the Tim Hortons Jesus story there. And now it'll get to live on on the premium feed Good. in this uh, in this form as a classic. Yeah. Um, before we get to the next story, just like I did in that original episode, between each story I had random clips um, that people sent me of them sharing their favorite stories of things that happened to them in Tim Hortons. Uh, I've inc- I'll include some of them for you here. This this one I'm dying to include because I, I love it so much. It's um, you'll know Thomas. The, I don't know if he'd be comfortable with me using his last name, but he's a drummer who played in a band with me for years. Sure. You know? Do you know Thomas? Yeah, I know. Okay, I could probably make a whole series of episodes about things he said and done, but um, <laughs> he's an he's a an eccentric and very unique guy but he sent me this story of uh something that happened to him at a tim hortons okay i had to kill some time before work so what i would do is i would just go into the timmy's and you know get myself a coffee and a bagel or whatever and sit down and i'd wait maybe about um i think it was about maybe 45 minutes uh, you know, I did my usual ritual in the morning and, uh, I had, uh, I'd received a new tablet and, um, I was, so I was still t- tinkering out with this tablet. It was the first tablet I've owned and I was, uh, intra- you know, it's a bit different than a phone or whatever. So I was tinkering around with it and getting used to the, the operating system. And, uh, I had my headphones, I had some headphones and I was, uh, I grabbed the Wi-Fi at Tim Hortons there and, uh, and I was tinkering around Facebook and stuff. And uh, <laughs> a friend of mine put up this. Uh, he always puts up really interesting videos that you should you should check out. So what I did was I, uh, you know, I clicked on the video and I had it playing. And it and, and the video said, you know, this footage of this ship in rough waters will blow your mind or whatever. Uh, which is you know, you know, a lot of stuff like that is clickbait now. But anyway, his videos are specifically more interesting than usually all the the rest of the garbage. So I was looking at it. It was very quiet and very, uh, very plain. It was very, you know, this ship, you know, like up and down. And, the, and I was staring at it, and I was staring at it, and staring at it. And I was like, "What is? What is with this video?" And then suddenly, it turned out to be one of those pop-up screamy face videos. Uh, the bugger got me, and he got me really good because I'm sitting in Tim Hortons with these buds in my ears silent as a church mouse and suddenly this in my face and i shrieked like a like a very very serious 
like, you know, fight or flight shriek <laughs> in the middle of Tim Hortons with no warning. Everybody, you know, you know, did their spin around. And the thing I'll never forget was a lady that had been working there. One of the workers came around the counter because she didn't see what happened. She thought somebody had been hurt. She ran around the counter to ascertain, you know, what's the situation. She looked ready to do whatever needed to be done. It was incredible. <laughs> but I just spun around and I looked at her. And I pulled the earbuds into my ear. I said, it's nothing. I'm okay. I. It was just one of those. And I held up my tablet and I was waving it at her. And I said, it was just one of those screeny face videos, you know, on Facebook. And she looked at me and I realized in that moment that this woman probably had no idea whatsoever what I was talking about. So I appeared to be very, uh, a crazy, like crazy person. <laughs> uh, so what do you do? You just sort of sink back to your whatever. And you just finish your coffee. <laughs> and that's it. But that happened. It was very embarrassing. And uh, now in retrospect, very funny. But that's, that's, uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's incredible, Thomas. Thanks for sharing that with me, buddy. You're most welcome. That was an that's, amazing story. That's a funny one. That sounds like every other Tim Hortons crazy person, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas is probably like anytime Thomas goes to Tim Hortons, he's like the Tim Hortons crazy person. Oh, uh, Zach. <laughs> um, I was when I was making this series, I was or this episode. I was actually going to include our good friend Justin. Were you uh, there the night with the bee? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't recall this one. No. <laughs> okay. It's. I probably shouldn't even tell the whole story um, publicly, but uh, maybe you weren't there. But our good friend Justin and I, and I thought you, but maybe not you. We were. It was very late at night, and we were. Oh, this before we were nineteen, and we were uh, roaming around the city, doing things we shouldn't have been doing. So yeah. we were just um, having a great time. Sure. And we went we went into a Tim Hortons at one point, and I remember Justin and I were standing next to each other in lineup, and there was someone in front of us, and it was uh, an older lady, and she had on like a really big fuzzy puffy kind of jacket. It was it was like probably about this time of year. It was kind of fall, so it was kind of a cool night. She had a big puffy jacket on, and I remember just kind of looking at like the texture of the jacket and. And thinking like, oh, that doesn't look like a comfortable jacket. It looked kind of like a wooly, kind of weird jacket. And as I was like noticing the texture of her jacket, I watched like a big fat bumblebee, like, you know, the big fat ones. Yeah. It kind of walked up her neck from under her jacket. And I was like, am I really like seeing this? And I hit Justin. And I'm like, Justin, Justin, look at this. And it was, she was right in front of us in the line. I'm like pointing, like, look at her neck. And it was just this big, fat bumblebee. And then as soon as we both noticed it, she must have felt it on her. And she, like, swatted it off her neck. But we watched, like, in slow-mo as it walked, like, you know, out of her jacket, up her neck. As she was in line up at Tim's ordering. But <laughs> I was going to try to include Justin on the episode. But it was um, it's hard to tell that story without, like incriminating ourselves for you know for the reason we were feeling the way we were feeling a certain way yeah slow motion bumblebee staring at the texture of someone's jacket yeah that might have been induced (laughs) yeah um 
Anyway, we'll get on to the next story that was included in the original Strange Stories set in Tim Horton's uh, series. This one is also way up your alley. This is the story of the 15-pack of Timbits. Love it. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Did you know about this before I did it it in the episode? No. (laughs) Okay. It was... When I first moved to Halifax, somebody had told me this story because the job I got when I first moved to Halifax, the office I was working in, this Tim Hortons that this happened in was, you know, just like a block away. And I remember people saying like that you used to be able to go through the drive through here. And if you said like a certain kind of code, they would put weed in your box of Timbits and charge you extra for the weed. And I was thinking, like, there is no way that's true. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And I remember first moving to Halifax. You know, this is a big city and all, but that's just nuts. And at the same time was when people were saying, there's this guy who goes around offering you gloves for rides. Like, so there was these stories going on. I was like, none of this stuff is true. But anyway, the the story was if you went through the drive-thru and you said a certain code word or something, instead of charging you, like, four dollars for chimbit timbits they charge you 19 and you would get your timbits and a you know a gram of weed or whatever depending yeah. on the um whatever the code word you said was yeah so when i was doing the stories trying to compile kind of weird things at tim hortons i, rem- I remembered hearing about this so i started doing google searches to try to find the truth behind the tim hortons drive-through drug operation uh very quickly i started to find references to it but I couldn't get the story. Again, I had to go to the public archives, which keeps all the old newspapers. And I was going through the, the public archives um, from from uh, looking at the newspapers from right around the time I thought it was to happen. And eventually I found an article that was describing like the the sentencing for the for the young woman who was charged with selling drugs out of a Tim Hortons drive through. It had her name. <laughs> Um, I'm going to just call her Kay because that's what I call her in the episode. It had her full name and her age. So I had a pretty good idea of who I was looking for. Uh, So I ended up going on Facebook and I found everybody with that name and was writing the messages being like, you know, did you maybe get arrested for something unique at Tim Hortons? (laughs) The first few were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then finally I got one who was like, yeah, but it's, you know, the story told in the press is not at all what really happened. Okay. And (laughs) so we talked back and forth. She didn't seem to want to talk to me. Then she did. Then she didn't. Then she did. It went on and on. And then finally she's like, okay, I'll tell you the story. Call me, you know, tonight. Right. So I, uh, I called her and managed to get the story, her version of the story. So before we hear her version of the story, let me tell you the version of the story, um, by which she was convicted. Yeah. So this is the story that was seen as true in the courtroom and was the one she was, uh, again, she was eventually found guilty or pled guilty or something. I don't remember exactly how it went down. Right. But it was it was in the year 2000, 20 years ago, that this happened. And the story is that if you went through the drive-thru, or no, actually what the story was was the manager of the Tim Hortons was noticing people asking for 15 15 packs of Timbits, which isn't a size you can buy. You can buy like six or or 12 or yeah, whatever it was, they were asking for 15. And the first few times the manager heard it, she thought like, 
huh, this is you know, weird that I've heard that twice today. pack, yeah. Yeah, and then the next day she'd hear it six times. She's like, something's going on. Okay. So she was starting to be suspicious of the drive through because she was hearing it so often yeah. that she was like paying close attention to who was working the drive through and what was happening. Eventually, she walked in on she must have had suspicions as to somebody was responsible for something and she walked in on one of her employees passing a bag of weed out the window to somebody who ordered a 15 pack of timbits a shouting match ensued um she fired the person on the spot called the police had the person arrested for drug trafficking so that is basically like the the story that came out in the press and and came out in the courtroom it's you know of course my telling of it was much abbreviated to what what it actually was but when uh but the k had explained to me that the commonly told story isn't the truth (laughs) and she's ready and she was ready to tell the truth and she was willing to talk to me so you want to hear k yeah let's uh play k's side of the story so again k was the one passing the drugs out the window and got arrested yeah and charged yep. and convicted and convicted. We've heard the story. I, I've read the news articles, but now that I have you on the line here, I'm curious for you, for you to tell me how this started. It all started. There was one lady who worked at Tim Hortons and her boyfriend apparently was a dealer. So every day, two people would come through the drive through It was only two people mm-hmm. and they would ask for her. Okay. She would put, she would just put it in the cup and give it to them out the window. Okay, so it was this this these two particular people came through to see one particular girl working there who was really doing mm-hmm. it on behalf of her boyfriend? Yes. H- how how did you become involved in this? When they came through the drive-thru, she was on break and they asked me if I could go and grab her. Mm-hmm. So I went out back to grab her and she handed me a Tim Hortons cup with the point eight of a gram inside of it. So I was going to go with the cup, and then I started to get paranoid, so I put the cup down. Okay. And when I put the cup down, my manager grabbed it and, like, honest to God, sprinted out back so she could call the police. That was my honest to God first time ever doing it, my one and only time. The way I read the article, it seemed like the manager was aware of what was going on and kind of watching it. But I guess it was the other worker that was there that the manager was catching on to, and it just so happened that... You were, you know, the lightning struck you basically the time that you yes. decided to get involved mm-hmm. was the time it all went down. Now, I've, I've read in the news articles the whole thing about a 15 pack of Timbits. What was the operation that the girl had had going on? You know what? That was never that was never, ever, ever said. Really? Two weeks before. I swear to God, two weeks before this even happened, myself, my friend and the manager were at my friend's house and she told us about a dream that she had that people were coming through the drive-thru asking for 15 packs. It never, ever, ever happened. As soon as she called the police, she was the one who told the police that there was a 15-pack. Hmm. It was never, ever, ever said. And maybe because it's just such an intriguing story is why the press ran with it. Because every article I've said, even if you... if. Even by um, like that terminology, the fifteen packet timbits is very related to this to this story. But I oh, it absolutely is, absolutely. So as as far as you knew, the operation, and I'm calling it their operation, but basically that girl dealing with these two particular or dealing to these two particular people. Did you know how that long how long that was going on for, and were you aware of it while it was happening? Um, 
I, I was aware at the end, but it was probably only going on for maybe three weeks to a month. And it was, like you said, it was a 0.8 of a gram that when you actually got caught, um, a 0.8 of a gram. So it wasn't a large scale operation with, you know, all these strangers coming through. I was, when, when I read the article, what I thought was maybe it was something that it started off like you dealing with a few friends and then it, you know, mm-hmm. it started to get big and out of control, but it sounds like that's not what actually happened. Not at all. Not at all. Wow. And it's just, it's crazy how big the story became and how iconic the whole 15 pack is and I'm, I'm almost shocked that that it's not true I feel like uh, my I know my um, my dream just got crushed I know eh? <laughs> it's not it's like the way that the story was portrayed is nothing like the like uh, the way it went down mm-hmm. now when it actually did go down and like you said you went to the, the girl was on a break you went back to get the cop and how your manager darted out and all this sort of thing what unfolded from from there your manager finds it and what happens next she called the police mm-hmm. me and the other girl sat in the break room until they arrived the manager showed up or the owner i guess of tim horton showed up and he had a meeting with us and then the police came and they took us both to the halifax regional police department and you were you were how old were you when this happened i think that i it was i think i was 22 oh god so you were terrified. Oh yes. Um, were you? Ho- and I'm just thinking, if I was in your shoes, I'd be hoping that the other girl stepped up and admitted her involvement as opposed to yours. Did that ever happen, or are you comfortable saying? No, it never did happen, and I just didn't want to be known as the rat, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to say anything. I wanted, I just wanted to tell my side of the story. But then my lawyer was the one who said that I should plead guilty. And I didn't know any better, so I did plead guilty. Can you explain why your name became so closely related to it rather than the the other name that was in the story? You're talking about, you've mentioned the other girl who was actually involved, whose boyfriend was um, was the actual dealer. Why is it that, that your name is so prominent in all the articles as opposed to hers? Because when it came to court time, my last name came first on the docket when we were called to court. So once I pled guilty, all of her charges were dropped. So now it all looks like it was all me. Yeah. So due to just the order of the alphabet, you were the first one up and you pleading guilty takes away the case that they would have against her being guilty. Right. And the, the media would have no reason to report on her because they have, you know, documents that show you've been charged and you're guilty. So I guess, yeah, I could see how that would happen. And that's very unfortunate. Yep. After that happened, you pled guilty. I, I understand you had probation and you paid a small fine. But given given the oddness of the story, you know, and I, I've read in the media, the, the CBC and the different news outlets p- kind of poking some jokes at, at the whole situation. There was a lot of attention on it. How did it feel to be you with your name being so related to the story? How did it feel? I'm sure all your friends and family knew what happened. Oh, everybody knew what happened. I was the laughing stock. It was horrible. And for how long did that last? Oh, probably a year. I was even mentioned on Mike Bullard. Like it was, it was crazy. <laughs> Mike Bullard, that's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. And now we've all had silly things happen to us when we were younger. It's just, again, yours is so unique and the media got involved. Now you're older, wiser. Looking back on it, what are your thoughts about it? Oh, there was many, there would be many, many things that I would change looking back on it now. Mm -hmm. I probably would tell the truth. I probably would never have pled guilty. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many things I would change. I would have never taken the cup and walked out into the onto the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, a point a point eight of a gram. We're talking about you know thirteen fifteen dollars worth of products you had if anything to gain let's just say if you were involved and you were the ringleader you know maybe you were making six dollars or eight dollars on the deal and now here we are 15 years later and i can hear in your voice you know you're still you know embarrassed and upset by it oh yeah every time i talk about it my inside shake my whole body shakes and how is it if you don't mind me asking how has it affected your life uh, up until now aside from just you know embarrassed or feeling silly what type of impact would something like this have on your life? A huge impact. Plenty of jobs I wasn't even qualified for because of a criminal record. They wouldn't even look at me. Many jobs I was on my way. They showed me my desk. As soon as that criminal record check came back, I was done. Or now in the, the days of social media, I'm assuming it's it gets, you know, the story must come back every so often as people look you up or whatever. Yep. And then you'll see on your news feed articles from back then. Yeah, and nothing goes away. If only if it if it had have happened, you know, five years earlier, um, the, mm-hmm. the, that internet side of it at least would have would have fell, fallen away. No, yeah, exactly. So you so friends and family and people still bring this up. You know, how often are you hearing about this? Not not as often anymore. My dad might bring it up once in a while because he the, that whole experience he was not a fan of. Mm-hmm. And I read, uh, it looks like your um, the, the media was speaking to your mother as well. I actually read some articles that had her involved. And I know myself how close I am with my mother. If I ever had something nasty happen in my life, the last thing I would want is anybody involving my mother. I'm, I'm thinking that must have been a rough time as well. Yeah, it was actually. I get, Apparently she had called and asked them to just please not run the story. Just wait a bit. And if they were going to run the story, please don't use my name right now. Just wait until court. But they took it and ran. Okay. Uh, I heard okay. I heard you laughing at points. Were you not buying her story? <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds funny that like, oh, you know, oh, it turns out after all, I didn't do this. Yes. It was just uh, because of the alphabet. that. Uh, <laughs> um, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, to be honest. In the middle. it's but And that's the way it is always. When you're talking about that sort of thing, it's, especially when there's multiple people involved, the truth is somewhere in the middle, I, I would suspect. Yeah. Although I'm not accusing her of lying, but maybe... Maybe she's telling it in such a way that she her involvement seems lessened. But I, then again, I don't know why she would do that 15 years later on a podcast. But yeah, ex- exactly. Um, like it's... <laughs> either way, uh, what I did to thank her after after the agreeing to talk to me is I sent her a twenty dollar Tim's card. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like when when you was it was she like, oh, this is my big break. It's my chance to clear my name, like. No, I don't like it was nothing like that. She was I had to hound her and I think it was just I knew the story really well. And so I think when I was writing to her, I think she was probably surprised to see like, oh, my God, like this guy researched, you know, the story. He pulled all the old newspapers. She probably hadn't had people other than friends bring it up for a long time. Then to have someone come who knows all the names and dates and details. Because I knew it. Like, I went through the court documents and everything before I had contacted her. So she, 
she um yeah agreed to tell me you know without any promise of something in return the twenty dollar tim's card was more uh my ver- like tongue and cheek like wink of a goodbye but anyway yep. it's uh that's another story I, I would have liked to have expanded that into a full episode like it'd be really cool to interview the manager Oh, and and get their side of the story. If I ever if if they listen to this and they want to contact me, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and the uh, the other employees. Yeah, exactly. All, all. If the manager, <laughs> but maybe hopefully, like maybe the manager still works for Tim's and like you know can't talk. Yeah. But if they want to talk to me, it'd be really cool to get the two statements side by side and just <laughs> and just listen to them. Um, or anyone who bought a 15 pack. Yeah. I'd like to hear from those people. Like, was it just, I'm always, um, skeptical when someone's like, this was my first time doing it and I got caught. Yeah, sure. So I don't know. We'll see if, if, yeah, maybe yeah. someone's listening, they'll contact me. I'd love, even if un, unrelated to the podcast, I would like to just talk to them to, uh, to scratch my own curious itch. Um, cause I love yeah. that story. <laughs> Uh, we'll yeah. we'll start wrapping it up here, Randy, because those were those were the main story. Those were the main stories I featured. the o- The other one that I featured was uh, a narration, a narrative telling, much like I did with mm-hmm. the Tim's Jesus, but it was the story of the coffee cowboy. Um, but I won't bother. We won't bother talking about that now because the coffee cowboy got his own full length episode. Um, yeah. Which, oddly enough, it came from this when I was doing this episode. I wanted to interview Coffee Cowboy. I had tried everything I could to reach him. Could not find him at all. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just tell the story in narrative style, like reading my script. Um, right. And then like a year later, I got a message on Facebook being like, I heard you're trying looking for me. <laughs> and it was the Coffee <laughs> Cowboy. So I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're a year late. But we ended up, I'll be like, you know, I was like, I'll contact you in a bit and we'll do something together. And a bit wow. turned into like two years, but finally we got back in touch and I did like interviewed him and did that standalone episode. But he, his story was told in this, just not in his own words, but there's no point of us yeah. talking about it. Cause if someone wants to hear coffee cowboy's story, there's a full episode about it now. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah. And that's uh that's another amazing Tim Hortons based story in Atlanta, Canada. Oh yeah. And what is your go-to Tim Hortons? order well now it's none i you i got a mick cafe i hate tim's coffee now i okay, i loved okay. it for the longest time and now did, it's yeah. i can hardly drink in it i drink it it i i get a double double like if i'm going yeah. there i'm gonna get a tim's double double i love their oat cakes i love their yeah. cheese croissants mm-hmm. i love their blueberry muffins and their fruit yeah. uh, fruit explosion um I like a lot of their food. I love Boston cream donuts. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I miss Eclairs. Yeah. You remember Eclairs? Love those. Yeah, I don't think they have those or the bow tie. You remember those? The, the fancy bow tie. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. The blueberry fritter as well. Yeah, and the strawberry Danish. I think or no strawberry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like a cup and it had all the strawberries and it was glazed. Yes, I love that. Yeah, um, yeah I love honey curlers. Oh, the crueler. Yeah. I thought it was honey curler until I was like 30. I realized it was crueler. It was crueler. Um, yeah. Anyway, Tim's. Yeah, and a duchy. Yeah. I, I like an old-fashioned plane. 
Oh, you're that. I'll dip it in my coffee, and it's delicious. But it it sounds like I like Tim Hortons. I find their their food like as their menu expanded, it's just garbage. It's just utter trash. Um, But I I find their hot food is is terrible. Like it's not even their donuts and stuff have gone downhill. I find McDonald's beats them in every measurable way. Their cups are better. The coffee's better. The baked goods are better. The menu outside of coffee and donuts is better. The atmosphere yeah, inside's better. Their their drive through experience is better. Their Wi Fi is better. <laughs> Everything is better at McDonald's, I find. But we we love McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. If it, that's, that's not an ad, actually, I should. That, McDonald's did have ads on my show before, so I did they, the um, did. like summer drink days. That was an ad. Yeah. Um, but I would have done it for free because I go and get the smoothies at McDonald's all the time during the summer. Mm. They're like $2 for this like real fruit smoothie. That's so good. Oh, there's a lot of sugar. In yeah, those. I know. But there's a lot of sugar in everything I eat and enjoy. Yeah. Um, but that's my vice. I don't drink or smoke or anything. I just yeah. eat shitty, crappy food mm. all the time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, here's how we're going to wrap it up. So – Remember I told you when we were talking about the Tim Hortons Jesus, I, I did that episode knowing the story of the light bulb being changed and Jesus's face disappearing. I never understood why the light bulb all of a sudden started projecting Jesus's face against the brick right. uh, until, again, about a year after I released that episode, I got an email from some guy from that area, from North Sydney, and he was saying yeah. like, yeah, it was actually me and my friends who, who, you know, we were responsible for the light bulb doing that. And mm. I thought, like, you know, bull crap you were. Because, you know, this is a kind of a famous story in that area. So people will try to fix themselves to famous stories. Uh, right. And I so I wrote back a few times and we we're talking about it. And the more he wrote to me, the more I was thinking... Man, like I think you know his story checks out, and I know a few few people from that area, so I was kind of throwing his name around to a few people I talked to, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I know him. He's a you know an honest guy." And so finally, I was uh, we got on the phone, and I was like, Just "Tell me the story of how you and your buddies kicked off, you know, the story of Jesus Christ at Tim Hortons." And uh. That uh, we'll we'll go out on that because it's a pretty a pretty amazing uh, story if if it's true and you know what I yeah. honestly think it is true it is. and it and it's the perfect way to have the bizarre story of Jesus at a Tim Hortons in Cape Breton it's it's the perfect beginning to that story but before we get to that though let's let's wrap up this nighttime classic yeah yeah this uh, this is. This is my favorite nighttime classic, really? this one right here, wow. so far. In terms of doing one or your favorite old episode? As far as far as the three nighttime classics that we've covered, this is my favorite nighttime classic. Okay. <laughs> Again, it's, it's classic in terms of age, not in terms of quality. Age. Well, let's wrap it up with that. Until next time. Yes. It's been 20 years. How I remember it, we were going to this place, it was just a field up like across the street from Tim Hortons, but kind of like in the woods a little bit too. So we'd go there on the weekends. We usually would get a like cheap wine, like Golden Glow or something and go to the the field and have a fire. And then usually on the weekends we'd go to Tim Hortons across the street, across the highway. And that's exactly what we did this time. 
So four or five of us went over this particular night. Well, they were, we all went into Morton's and they ordered their stuff and then I got a peach juice and then I used, went to use the washroom before I left. And when I came out, I can't remember if I saw the coffee being thrown as I was walking out or if it was just thrown and this, it was everywhere. I remember the coffee dripping off the off the, the, the side of the wall and it was, I believe it was in the windows. It was everywhere anyways. They weren't happy with us in uh, Tim Hortons for obvious reasons. But he said he, he threw the coffee because they, they kept, it was the second time that day that they made it wrong on him. So and, uh, we were out drinking. So that's why he threw it because, you know, being a bit obnoxious like we were back then as teenagers. Anyways, before we left, the guy looked over and he just kind of was like, huh, it kind of looks like Jesus. And we all looked, you know, we didn't give it much credence, but we we laughed because we're like, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, so anyways, we didn't think much of it and we went to uh, back to the field and whatever. That was it. Like a week later, that's when it kind of got crazy when people, I don't know who they, if they called the news or what, but those people that said this, they drove by and they saw it coming out of the sky and the sunbeams and landed right on the <laughs> So, anyways, we all, we were all laughing, the people that were there, and we were kind of joking about it. We didn't think, we still didn't think anything of it, but then, like, it started to get really big. Relatively quickly, it got, like, really big. Thousands of people started to come, and, uh, it started to become a hazard, uh, a danger to the people there because they were almost getting killed. People were like, were having this divine moment and, uh, you know, losing themselves in that and not paying attention to the, the, the traffic coming from the Newfoundland Ferry <laughs> or just the traffic in general from all the people there. It was just so crazy. So we were all kind of nervous that we were going to get in trouble for being brats in the first place, you know, because they workers there knew that we threw the coffee. And B, for drinking underage, um, we thought we'd be getting in real trouble with our parents if they found out we were drinking underage because the people that worked there knew we were all drunk. And C, the fact that it was it, it was really hazardous out there and somebody was could potentially have gotten hurt, so we didn't want to say anything. Anyways, when, when they changed the light, um, the, the, the stain that was on the light, I guess, was gone and, and it didn't project the same way on the, the stain on the on the brick. The stain on the brick was there for a while after that too, but it was it must have been the light that the coffee splattered up on top because once they changed that light, then it didn't project the light the same way. Anyway, so when it all died down and we were like, oh, phew, we're not nobody got hurt. We can you know it kind of died down. We can tell people that it was us that we were there. And at that point, nobody wanted to believe us. <laughs> nobody would listen. They just, they just thought we were making it up because most people knew that we hung out out there. But when we tried to tell people, they were just not having it. They were just making it up. Or the, if we said anything to any of the adults, they were like, nope, that was a, a divine moment that wasn't you. And they, wanted to, they didn't want to believe that it was us, you know? Give them hope, I guess. But uh, it really was just that. And... That was it. That's really the, the story. Is not really anything crazy, but that's le legitimately the true story behind it. <laughs> the Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. 
I remember everybody parking all over here and over at the Lickachick and everybody going up touching the wall.